Hello, Connected Parents, and welcome to another episode of Connected Parenting. Today, I want to talk about overfunctioning, why we do it, why we shouldn't do it, and how to stop doing it. Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer Colary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week, and we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. So recently I had a TikTok that went crazy viral. It's like currently it's at a million seven hundred thousand views. So this clearly hit a nerve and it was about over-functioning. And honestly, I'm going to share some stories today about how I have overfunctioned in the past with my kids and what I learned. Um, I think it's a really important topic, and obviously, it's something that's quite relevant to a lot of people. So, first of all, what is overfunctioning? What does it mean to overfunction? So, basically, it's doing things for our kids um, that they they can clearly do for themselves. So, obviously, you're considering what's age appropriate. Um, you know, a four-year-old can't do what a 10-year-old does, but the truth is it's things that they're fully capable of that we do unnecessarily for them. It's also when we rescue or when we criticize, no, 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 don't do it that way. It has to be done this way. And we sort of take over. Um, you know, it's also letting them off the hook when maybe it would be much more appropriate for them to complete a task. So, you know, I'll give an example from my life. So Olivia, who's now 19, when she was little, she was, um, she loved to pull all the board games off the shelves. Like it, that was fun for her. That was an activity. She'd pull all the board games off the shelves and then it would be a whole thing to get her to put them back. And this is when she was very little, probably three or four. Um, and I certainly don't expect a three or four year old to clean everything up, but I do, I did want her to at least do enough of that, that it made her consider, hmm, is it worth pulling all of these things off the shelf when I have to do that much work to put it back, right? So the, so it, it's sort of one of those things, like do, do you just say, okay, fine, and clean it up, and then they don't make that connection. Um, and it, you know, it's hard to make that call sometimes. It, it, it's, you don't want to rescue, and you don't want to let them hook off the hook all the time. But there are consequences for making messes. And it's important for kids to figure out how to make that connection between the fun that they're having and then the cleanup that needs to happen afterwards. So this is sort of an aside, but I feel like there's kind of three kinds of kids when it comes to play. There's destructors. So those are kids that like like Olivia, you know, wanted to pull all the books off the bookshelf and you know, pull board games down and throw the pieces around. There's creators. And those are kids who like really like to make things and build things and, you know, everything's all over the place and they're creating all the time, but there comes with a huge mess with that. And there's uh, constructors, the kids who like to actually put things together. Um, and they're all, you know, all kids can be all of those things. But if, if you happen to have a kid who's a destructor who really likes to take things apart, that can be a challenge. Um, you know, with younger kids, it's you know, when I make slime and they've got Lego pieces all over the place, which by the way, really hurt when you step on them. Um, and it's a lot of work, right? And and older kids, it would be like I don't know, food in their plates and cups and spoons and things in their bedroom, you know, towel hoarding. Teenage girls, you know, when they're doing their makeup, will often have their makeup 
everywhere. Like it'll take up the entire counter of the bathroom. And so, you know, it's important to make sure that when messes are made and when there's work to be done, that there's some follow through. And then there's things like chores and responsibilities. You know, do your kids just get up after dinner and run off? Or do you have them do some age appropriate tasks? I feel strongly that it is important for kids to have some responsibilities and tasks. Um, I'll, I'll get into why uh, a little bit later in the podcast, but I, but I do think it's really important for development, for their brain um, to have really good protective um, skills in the future. So let's get into why. Why do we do this? Why do we overfunction? Well, there's lots of reasons. So I'm going to start with the pit in the stomach. So a lot of us can relate to this. And um, it's this feeling of like, oh, this is going to be a whole thing. Oh, I don't want to deal with this. Uh, it's going to be a whole meltdown. This is going to be so much work to actually make them do it. It's just easier to do it myself. Right? And you'll get this feeling in your stomach that I really want you to think about as your internal GPS. We tend to ignore that feeling and push it aside, but it's usually telling us something. It's usually either a feeling or connected to a little voice that says, I really should make them do this. The right thing to do here would be to actually follow through. Um, and then that feeling of, oh, but I can't, it's too exhausting. I don't have the energy. I can do it better myself. You're, when you follow that, you're going to have a little feeling in your stomach that doesn't feel great. And it's a really important thing to pay attention to. When you actually make the decision, no, I love you. I love you enough to stick to this. This is a really important thing for you to do. We're going to clean this up and it's going to take as long as it takes. That's going to feel exhausting, but you will feel a very different feeling in your gut when you do that. When you follow that feeling, you will notice that that kind of... Um, negative naggy feeling goes away and if you can use that feeling it's a really good guide and i've talked about this in my other podcast that you know often we'll parent from a place of fear you know versus a place of love so it's a little bit off topic but i don't know, let's say you're in the supermarket and your kid is freaking out because they want something and we're, we now parent from fear and we're like oh, we're doing that weird kind of whisper yelling thing where we think we're invisible, but people can actually see us. And then we just really look like we don't have control of the situation or ourselves. Um, and, and we're sort of got that pit in our stomach. Oh, God, I hope this doesn't let's just get out of here. I hope we can get out of here without a meltdown. And when we operate from that place, our child who is gauging the, our responses looks at us and thinks, oh, okay, well, I have a little bit of power here. There's stuff I can get away with here because mom or dad is so nervous about me having a, a fit in this situation. So in that situation, what you want to do is you want to parent from that place of love. Like use that feeling in your stomach where you know you shouldn't let this go just because it's embarrassing. You know that, um, but we tend to ignore that. But when we just sort of lean right into that feeling, we parent right through that feeling, we look right at our child, we use the calm technique, we mirror and say, you know what, I get it. That is a very cool toy. I completely see why you would want that. That is awesome. But I love you enough to say no. I love you enough to say no, because that's not why we're here. And you don't need to get something every time we go somewhere. And you know what? If you need to get upset, if you want to roll around the floor and have a fit, that's okay. Go ahead let it out. We'll move some things so you don't knock anything over. You don't do this with sarcasm. You literally do this genuinely with this, this, um, this feeling of let it out, but it's not changing anything. 
And most of the time, seriously, most of the time, they will not have the fit in that moment because they're not getting anything. And what they would be getting is upsetting you, right? They're gonna take you down with them. And if you're not going, then there's no point in them having that tantrum, right? Behaviors, all behaviors stick around for a reason. And if they're rewarded, and especially if they're intermittently rewarded, those behaviors will strengthen. If they are not rewarded, they will become extinct. And so if you kind of just paradoxically go with it and say you're not getting that thing, but have a fit if you need to, usually the tantrum does not happen. Like really, like 99% of the time it doesn't happen. And if it does happen, it's often like a fake one and they kind of look at you like, is this working? <laughs> and even if they do have a full-blown uh, freak out in this situation, they still don't get the thing. And that's the thing the brain remembers. It's like, well, that was exhausting. That was a lot of work. My mom or dad didn't even get upset. And I still didn't get the thing that I wanted. That's not worth it. Like there will be this kind of economic exchange in the brain where eventually they'll figure out that that just doesn't work and the behavior will become extinct. So that's sort of an explanation of the fear, parenting from a place of fear and a place of love. So when it comes to overfunctioning for your kids, or doing things for them that you kind of deep down have that feeling you know you shouldn't do for them. When it comes from a place of love, looks hard for me to watch you like this. I wouldn't want to clean that up either. That's a huge mess and I'm happy to help you, but I'm not going to do it for you. Um, but we're not going to go on and do other things until this actually gets done. And I, I love you enough. I'm in. I'm in. This, this can take as long as it needs to take. We're going to follow through on this because I know you can. Because I believe in you and I know you can do it. Feel that strength feel that energy. It's so different. And there's such a message of confidence in there. That is such an important thing for your kids to know. So the other reason why we overfunction is sometimes our kids get really distressed. We feel bad for them. They're tired. They've had a hard day or, you know, they need a nap or they're hungry or your teenager just you know, didn't get invited to something. And the whole thing, your heart, you actually feel for them. And you don't want to, to push through in a situation. Once in a while, that's okay. This is very nuanced. This doesn't have to be absolute. There can certainly be times where you can just help them out. Just be really clear about, hey, I'm going to help you out now because I know you're having a hard time. But the expectation is that most of the time and certainly next time that you will do this, right? And it can't be with that, I'll do it this time. Like you, Because now that's coming from a place of fear again, right? It really has to come from that confidence solid stance where you believe yourself. You actually believe yourself. And if you believe yourself, your child will believe you, right? So once in a while, it's okay. But that's another reason why we sort of over-function if we know our kids have had a little bit of a hard time or, you know, socially they're struggling or you know, they have learning issues and, you know, school and homework is a little bit harder for them. So really pushing through that kind of breaks your heart a little bit. You know, we really kind of feel for them sometimes, but it is important, and this is why it's important to adjust this to your child's ability. But you, you especially with a child that is struggling a little bit, um, you don't want to rescue them from everything. If your child is not neurotypical, if, you're, if your kid's on the spectrum, like there's still things they have to do. You still believe in them. You still see their strengths. You still, still see all the things that they are capable of, and whatever they're capable of, you're going to expect them to do. There is such a strong message of love and confidence in that stance, that's really, really important. You know, other reasons why we sometimes overfunction is, I don't know, maybe we were a kid and our parents, you know, really adultified us and we were 
you know, looking after our siblings and we had a huge amount of responsibility or our parents worked crazy hours and we had to do a lot of work at home and we just don't want to do that for our kids. So sometimes our own programming will come into this and it's just really important to be aware of that. Sometimes we had parents who didn't make us do anything. We didn't have to do any chores and it was great and we still turned out okay and we still got all our stuff done. So sometimes we have these programs that really influence how we parent and and that's fine we're all we all have that it's, it's really just important to be curious about that why do I do that you know why why is it hard for me to make my kids follow through just just be curious and and ask yourself some questions is this serving me is this good for my child why do I do this and really think about it and then make sure that you you know in a very nuanced way there can certainly be um, exceptions, but for the most part, you actually are helping your kids follow through on what they need to follow through on. And and so here's the why part. This is why it's so important. Um, you know, it really, really helps with independence. It helps build a this sense of responsibility. It also offers an opportunity for satisfaction. And this is a really important thing. If we do things for our kids all the time, they don't get to experience satisfaction. Right. So think about it. If you have a task that's really difficult and you think, oh, how am I ever going to get through that? It's such a giant task. I don't know if I can do it. And your child you know, is feeling that and they're pushing back and no, oh, and I can, it's too hard. And it doesn't matter if they're four or 14 or whatever, 19, whatever it is. Um, there is something about pushing through that, completing a task, actually getting it done, looking after looking at it and go, wow, I, you know, and going, I did that. I completed that. That feels great. That satisfaction is incredibly rewarding. And dopamine, which is a reward chemical, will actually fire in the brain. It will actually release into the bloodstream in the best way, in, in the way that dopamine is supposed to. It's supposed to flood you after doing something that's kind of hard to do, that you didn't really want to do. And if we rescue our kids all the time, we are robbing them of those experiences where they can look back and go, okay, I didn't think I was gonna do that. That seemed really impossible, but actually while I was doing it, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was gonna be. Um, and I feel really good now that I've done it. Make sure not to, um, in, a, in a sort of dramatic way, overdo that. Don't you feel good now? Like when you look back, doesn't that feel great? Don't do that. Cause then it, it sort of comes from you more let them feel that on your own. Be very neutral if you say that. You know, I hope you're feeling a sense of like accomplishment there. That's, that's, that was a lot of work. That's cool. Like in a very strong, but neutral way. So having these experiences where something seems difficult, the brain wants to avoid it. You end up doing it, it's not that bad. And then you accomplish it. It's really good patterning for the brain. And that really does stimulate responsibility and independence and really importantly, grit. These are, grit is a really important one. And, it, and you know, grit, for the most part, I think is a trait. Often there are kids that just come into the world, you know, trying things over and over again, and they don't want to quit and they won't stop until they finish. And there's other kids who are, you know, sort of built to be just avoiders. The minute something is uncomfortable, they want to avoid and not do it. But I, I do believe there's a certain part of this that you can stimulate, you can massage a little bit, you can encourage, you can model for them um, to help them really build grit because it really is a very protective, very important life skill to have that at some point they need to develop. Um, I want to take a second and just thread in 
um, a conversation here about effort, because this is a really important thing. Um, there are some kids who get it, like they just, they understand the value of trying things over and over again. They're willing to kind of pick themselves up, dust themselves off and try again um, and see the value in that. And then there are kids who really don't do that. Um, a lot of ADHD kids are like this. A lot of super sensitive kids are like this. Many, many gifted kids are like this, where they see effort not as a positive trait, not as a good thing, but as a threat. If I have to try more than once or twice at this, if I don't get this right away, then that threatens how I see myself. That threatens my own vision of myself as a, as a capable, intelligent person. And so often, you know, we think of perfectionists being kids who you know, just want to get everything perfect all the time. But a lot of the time, um, perfectionists are kids who will try once or twice, don't get it right, and then quit. Because they would rather not do it than fail. Um, and that will come out, you know, in things like finishing homework tasks or, you know, completing things that you've asked them to do. It can come out in learning a new skill like bike riding or driving when they're older, things like that. And they will they will often quit very easily and and avoid. And this is why kind of building these experiences into their childhood where you have that expectation that they can do it is really important because it challenges that idea of effort. So. The, this is a story about my son, Jacob, who's now 29. He, he's actually the producer of this podcast and he does the editing. So Jacob, you're going to hear a story about yourself. Um, Jacob, when he was little, super sensitive kid, gifted kid, um, he would really fall apart. His his whole thing was, if I can't do it perfectly, I'm not doing it. His, you know, he would always avoid, you know, he'd start out making a sandwich as a little kid, you know, he'd have the soft bread, he'd get the butter out, the butter would be too hard, the butter, the bread would tear, and that's it. I'm just going to starve. I don't care. I'm not going to eat. And everything in me, and I probably did do this more than I should have, rescued him. I would just make the sandwich. It, it was honestly just easier to make the sandwich because it caused him such distress. I knew that he was hungry. I knew that he was in kind of the feedback loop of being hungry and he needed to eat, but he wouldn't eat because he couldn't make the sandwich. And I would probably definitely rescued more than I should have. Um, and he definitely, you know, as a kid and as a teenager had this kind of avoidant personality. And if I could go back in time, I would probably do it differently. And that's why if you have a kid like this, it would be better to make the time to sit, put the time aside to go, no, nope, we're going to do this and try it again. And that's okay. And I'll help you. Like, don't do it for them. Encourage them to have some skin in the game, some investment in this, because it's really important. You know, the brain is very neuroplastic and it learns more and more by the experiences that it has. And so as you create these opportunities where something seems difficult, but they're able to push through, you're really building a very, very important foundation for your kids. Okay, so now, how do you stop? How do you stop overfunctioning? And I want to take a minute and talk about the overfunctioner here because it's usually sometimes it comes from a place of fear. Sometimes it really it comes from a place of just your heart is breaking for your kid. They just have such a hard time with certain things, and you just kind of feel bad for them, and you want to swoop in, and the homework fairy comes, and the bedroom cleaning fairy comes, and you know there's moments where that's okay. You know, once in a while. Oh, it's okay to do that. It's just not okay to do that all the time. So how do you stop? One thing that could be really helpful, and I've already mentioned this podcast, is asking yourself questions, being curious. Why do I do that? What am I trying to avoid? Is this really a best practice for me and for my child? 
um, over-functioners get exhausted, like really, really tired and end up doing everything for everyone and at the expense of themselves. And that's not good. It's also not good modeling. Your kids are watching you put yourself second, third, fourth, or not even on the list over and over and over again. And we are always teaching them. What are we teaching them? What are we teaching them? Right in that moment, that's a really important thing to consider. So, you know, our kids are watching everything we do. So, as we get curious about these behaviors ourselves, push through that feeling of fear, challenge ourselves, you will see A, it often goes much better than you think it's going to do. Most of the time, it surprisingly goes better than you thought it was going to. And you start to see what your kids are capable of and you start to feel better and better and then now it comes into alignment that feeling in your stomach that gut feeling that you really weren't doing the best thing you could be doing for your child in that situation by letting them get away with things starts to come into alignment because they are you are asking them to do it and you are expecting them to do it and you start to feel better and they start to feel better and just the whole energy the whole dynamic of the family works better because truthfully it's a dynamic so kids who are big avoiders, who don't want to do it, and even kids who aren't, like kids, kids are kids. They're going to try to get away with stuff. And, and if you're going to do it and they just put up a little fuss and then you do it, that's kind of worth it, right? That makes sense. There does end up being this kind of learned helplessness thing that we don't want to be fostering in our kids. Um, so that's the first thing. Second thing is I'm really big on having a family calendar. And I don't mean like a puny calendar like on the on the computer or a little tiny something calendar on the fridge. I mean like a big thing, like something from, you know, Staples or Michaels, like a big whiteboard. Or if you want it to look more attractive, you can do a chalkboard and you have everything on that whiteboard, including times for tidying up and cleaning up and doing chores and, you know, helping out and doing your homework. Like things are built in and for your teenagers, unloading the dishwasher, taking the garbage out, all the things that you expect them to be doing need to be on that board. It makes it a lot easier if you can say, okay, guys, you just finished your playtime. It's almost time for dinner. You got 15 minutes to clean that up. And then you can loop back in the must-dos and the can-dos, right? So um, that's a really, really important thing that this can't get done until this task gets finished, being absolutely neutral very strong and aligning that feeling uh, in your stomach, I think will really, really guide you well. Um, the other is to say, I love you enough. That's my favorite line. I get it. I always connect, always mirror. I get it. It's so exhausting. You look around and it feels like it's going to take forever to do this. I feel you. I do. But the thing is, I love you enough to ask and expect you to do this. Or I love you enough to say, no, I'm not going to help you. You're going to do it for yourself. And when you're done, you can have X, right? In this really neutral, strong way. And of course, and I've said this before um, in this conversation, but you know, there will be exceptions and that's okay. You don't have to be absolutely exact about this. There will be moments where you can just, as a gift, help your kid out, you know, do it for them and just be really clear. You know what? This is a gift. Don't expect this every time. I can see that you're really tired today or you're not feeling well, or you had a really hard time or you didn't get invited to that party. I'm happy to do this for you today, but this is not going to be ex an expectation. So you're really kind of front loading that for them. So I hope this is helpful. You know, this is a tricky thing. And like a lot of things with parenting, it's very nuanced. There's never a clear answer. It is always difficult to know, you know, when to push, when to protect, 
there's never an exact answer, but I think, you know, the, the biggest takeaway from today is really paying attention to that feeling in your gut. It's there to tell us whether we're on the road or off the road. And when you can try to really pay attention to that feeling, it is usually pretty spectacular at guiding you in the right direction. So thank you so much for listening today. Remember to go to connectedparenting.com. I've got all kinds of resources for families. We have a whole team of parenting um, coaches and therapists that can help you. We've got online courses that are an incredible online resource for you um, to help you on your parenting journey. I've got, I've got my books. I've got my other podcasts, the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. And we've got our village, which is a great place for um, parents to work together, to come together, support each other. There's connected parenting coaches there, and you can actually practice calm technique. Um, and maybe go back every once in a while and listen to the first couple of episodes of this podcast to remind you about the calm technique, because that really is uh, the pillar. That's what everything else hangs on. So thank you so much. And I will see you next time on the next episode of Connected Parenting.